HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. If your restaurant wants to put the best on the table, look for food with the New York State Certified Seal. It's food that is grown right, right here. Learn more at certified.ny.gov. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store located at 100 Frost Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Today's essay uh, is called On Being Late. It feels like everyone is late all the time. I know it's not actually true and that you don't notice when someone's on time because, well, that's normal. But it does seem to me that the world we live in makes it okay, or at least not a big deal to be late all the time. We're all trying to fit in more and more, at least I am. And as such, we put things way too close together on our calendars without leaving any room for the vagaries of life, running into somebody, chatting an extra 10 minutes, the train being late or whatever. Cell phones. I was once told by an octogenarian friend have allowed people to be late all the time because you can just text someone and tell them you're running behind. Somehow this ability to communicate all the time excuses the fact that you've now broken an agreement, albeit a small one. We have almost everything on demand. Cars, food, TV, movies we can start and stop whenever you want them to. I'm not lamenting that. I do love the fact that I don't ever have to watch commercials anymore and that I can get a car to pick me up wherever, whenever. But the ingrained sense that we can control everything is something I'm watching my kids grow up with. They want whatever it is and they want it whenever, wherever. I, for one, am trying to be a little less crazed by this. Leave a little more time to get somewhere. You might find something cool along the way. Or sit on a bench with your coffee for 10 minutes. Or even have time to look at Facebook if that's your thing. The point is, don't be late. Be early and you'll be happier. Today's episode 59 of Feast Your Ears. We're pre-recording it here in the studio uh, behind Roberta's at Heritage Radio. It is Monday, January 16th, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, but this is you will you are hearing this if you're listening live on Wednesday, January 18th, my mother's birthday. Um, she passed away a few years ago, but 
perhaps those of you that know her will think of her when you hear this show. Um, joining me today in the studio, I'm very pleased to have Matt Marchese. Matt is a personal chef uh, now, but used to work in a lot of great restaurants. He's the owner of a three-legged cat, which we'll hear a little bit about. And he is uh, sort of behind some of your favorite places in Bushwick. Thanks for joining me, Matt. Thank you. Morning. Also in the studio, uh, I have uh, today I have a special uh, guest uh, associate uh, host, Moxie. Will you please introduce yourself? Um, hello, my name is Moxie, and I'm very happy to be here. This is my fourth time being on the radio. <laughs> Thank you, Moxie. Awesome. So, Matt, um, <clears throat> can you uh, tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, you know, invariably we live in a world where uh, if you find out someone's name, you can, like, do a quick Google search right. or, like, check on LinkedIn or whatever. But when you meet somebody and they're like, oh, man, you know, you're telling a story, like, that sounds cool, and talk about what you do. What do you say? What do you do? Um, <clears throat> I usually say, yeah, I'm a personal chef and uh, work for a great family, uh, partner in a few businesses, and, yeah, I guess the three-legged cat thing comes <laughs> up. <laughs> um, so, so tell me about, I mean, your, your life as a chef. You, you, uh, you worked in restaurants before becoming a personal yeah. chef, right? So I basically, I would say, you know, I did some high school classes, like almost like vocational classes, and it really kind of catapulted me into like, okay, I want to be a chef. I didn't really know what that entailed. Wow. Um, so as a teenager, you were already like, yeah, on like, the path of wanting to handle food and cook. Yeah. And- I didn't know what it entailed or like what really being a chef was all about. I just knew I wanted to be one. Um, can you, can you track that to like a specific moment? Do you remember a teacher or a class or an ingredient? You know, not really. I just knew I'm freshman year in high school. I was more excited about foods. I think it was food. Yeah. Foods 101. And then advanced foods, I was I excelled in those classes because I cared about it, and yeah. all the other subject. I was a terrible right. student. So, <laughs> well, but in some, in those classes, though, you get some of the other you get some of the other stuff, right? You get math. Yeah, yeah. You get that's it, true. you know, and and then as you learn more, you get an understanding of you know social studies. You get an understanding of like cuisines to a certain extent, right? You know, yeah. I guess that's kind of the underlying stuff that I I didn't really notice at the time, <laughs> but I guess that's kind of true. And uh, yeah, I, I'd say from there. Um, and then I kind of really did the whole wash dishes at this place for six months because they didn't need anybody in the kitchen. And then I started prepping and then, and that was in New Hampshire. That was all in New Hampshire. Yeah. And then I start, you know, on the, on, on the line or I started prepping and then I got to be a line cook and it just moved my way up from there. Um, at my school, I learned a lot of math. At your school, you learn a lot of math. Thank you, Moxie, for for interjecting that. Well, if you decide to get into cooking, uh, you know, maybe as a teenager, Moxie, you can you can uh, can do more of that stuff. So, you you came up in the restaurant world the way lots of people do, right? Yeah. You started washing dishes. You started at the bottom, um, and then you continued up through the through the ranks and kind of like right. a traditional kitchen. Right. Yeah. You know, I went from it was actually a it was called Crescent City Bistro in New Hampshire. And it was like Cajun Creole, but I'd learned a lot there. I learned just more like how a kitchen works, you know, from the dishwasher to the scheduling and, you know, just kind of the, the rigmarole camaraderie, um, you know, flipping pans. Right. You know, right. And then, uh, and then where did, then where did your career take you? Um, then I knew I wanted to do nicer food. So I worked uh, a couple places in Maine and then I knew I wanted to work even nicer places, so I went to Boston, which was kind of like the obligatory 
uh, next step for, for fine dining. Um, I worked at Radius, uh, Number 9 Park, um, and then it kind of was like, all right, well, next stop is New York City. <laughs> right. you know? um, and I got here in 2005, um, and I wanted to work for Elaine Ducasse at the Essex House. Like, that was my ultimate goal. But there was, like, a two-month waiting list just to stodge, like, right. just to get in, in there. So I checked coats at Casa Mono. Hmm. Uh, in, off of Union Square. <laughs> so you were back to like I it was wanting to be in the building, but not in the kitchen. It was, ex but it was extremely humbling because yeah. you know I came to New York. I thought I had my chops. I'm like, you know, I'm good. I'm going to get a job wherever. And they're like, mm, you're going to wait. And I also didn't want to commit to another restaurant because you had your sights set. On yeah, that and level. I didn't. Sure. I didn't want to go in and say, uh, you know, oh, I'll take the job, and then two months later, peace. You know. Yeah. Um, so I checked coats and I made like 60 bucks a night and it was enough for beer money and right. yeah, that was about it. <laughs> and then where, and then did you end up at the uh, Essex yeah. house? <clears throat> so I did end up at the Essex house, uh, with three other guys staging and all we did for a week, like no joke. It was in the spring. Spring is pea season. All I did Man. was shuck peas, blanch peas, and then pick the skin off of peas and then split the peas. That's all I did for a week. Wow. But then I got the job. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like being in the mine. You were like in the pea mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were <laughs> pea miners. Yeah. Um, and then how long did you work there? Um, <clears throat> I think I did about a year, a little over a year. And then it closed. So yeah. that was that. Um, and then I went to 11 Madison Park um, to interview for a sous chef position. Hmm. And I was the first first like east coast like he basically brought his team from the west coast right and uh i was the first hired sous chef whatever i had to do a tasting that was intense um but it was almost as soon as i got the job and started working i kind of got this itch like i had not reached the top but i was like you know what the next step is either going to be a chef at a right, restaurant. Right, you then need to be the head and you have to be the face and be the guy. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I don't... I'm good at cooking. I don't think I'm going to be very good at running a kitchen. Right. I just kind of knew I sure. don't have those certain personality traits. Right. <clears throat> and the personal chef thing, I had always, you know, heard about... It's, But again, like, just like when I was younger, I didn't really know what becoming a chef entailed. Right. I didn't know what becoming a personal chef entailed. Right. Um... <clears throat> But I knew the money was better. The hours are better. Right. I mean, purse. it's interesting. I mean, I, I feel like I hear a lot of a lot of chefs sort of, you know, obviously, like the schedule is like the thing they lament almost the most. Right? I mean, I mean the, it's just brutal. Immediately. It's yeah. just I'm like, what? I can come in at noon. Right. I get out at eight. <laughs> Wait, I can <laughs> have the it's morning. It's only eight hours. And like, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Eight hours. It's, you know, I would say a 50 hour work week is a busy week for me now. Right. Whereas, you know, 70 was the norm. Right. Sure. And I get paid for all those hours, which is really strange. Yeah. Well, that's a, yeah, it's a whole separate, whole separate thing. Yeah. Um, so, so when did you make the jump into being a personal chef? <clears throat> um, I would say six months after um, being at 11 Madison. Got it. And I literally, I left and I put my resume out there uh, to basically like most personal chefs, uh, nannies, housekeepers, you go through domestic placement agencies. Got it. Um, <clears throat> so I dropped my resume off or emailed it or whatever. 
I got a call that afternoon. And they're like, hey, you know, Blama, can you come in for an interview? Did that. And then I had an interview the very next day. And it was with um, Tori Birch, the yeah. shoe designer. Yeah. So I worked for her for a year and a half. But that really kind of catapulted me into, like, once I had that on my resume. Yep. I was golden. Right. I was very lucky. Right. She was dating Lance Armstrong at the time. And it was just a good, right, right, right place, right time. Cool. Yeah. And then how long have you been with the family that you work for now? <clears throat> the family I've been with, or sorry, the family I'm with now, um, in June, it'll be six years. Oh, wow. Which is, I, it's seriously strange for me to say that because prior to, prior to this job, I think the longest I ever stayed at any job was two years. Right. Sure. I mean, that's a long, like, it's a, lo- it's a long time. Yeah. And to see a lot of changes, it's not the same as I assume it was with Tory Burch and Lance Armstrong or whatever. No, like, absolutely You know, not. that's someone who's, you know, I mean, obviously I know I'm sure the family travels a lot, but like there's three kids, right? Yeah, three, three kids. So two parents, three children, and you are responsible for like, what, what is your, what is your responsibility end up being? Like, are you responsible for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, just dinners? So on, so I'm off today because of the holiday, yep. but tomorrow, basically Monday through Friday, I do appetizer, entree, dessert, just dinner. And, uh, but I'll bring, you know, breakfast items. I'll bring sausage and, um, chia seed pudding, just maybe like five or six things that just, those are there for the week. And they just go in the fridge and they eat them themselves whenever they want. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but I would say 85% of the time it's just Monday through Friday, uh, appetizer, entree, dessert, but then, um, they're Jewish, so every Friday they have a Shabbat dinner, uh, challah and everything. Um, and then in the summer, it mixes up a little bit. It's a uh, schedule gets kind of rearranged. My right. kids go to camp. Kids go to camp, and now actually all the kids are at camp. So, you know, it's just the parents. They do, excuse me, a good amount of uh, entertaining, but it's it's mellow in the summer. Yeah, yeah. So that's your you know all the time job and then yep. you do at least one dinner a year at montana's more than that um, i just do i do yeah one annual uh we just did our third one um winter dinner just do like a, a pre-fee one seating and then as soon as that's done we move all the tables out and have a debaucherous uh holiday party do you do you ever when you're doing that feel like you want to get back into no. the kitchen honestly it's it's so fun <laughs> i have so much fun doing it yeah like the prep and just like really kind of being in a service and having that that camaraderie which i actually do kind of miss sometimes um but as soon as we we're done and clean up i'm like ah, i'm so glad i don't have to do any ordering or you know um i eat chia seed pudding because my mommy makes it <laughs> very nice That's what great. kind of what kind or what flavor um we 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 just my mommy last night I helped her make a mango. Nice. I'll have to try that. And what did you put in it this morning, Moxie? What did you flavor it with? We flavored it with vanilla. Ooh, nice. And we had some for breakfast. Yum. But I'm the only one who had it because my mommy, my daddy, and my brother didn't want. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, well, we're going to take a, a short break and hear from one of our sponsors here. And uh, when we come back, Moxie, will you get ready? I think you have a question for Matt about his cat. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs>
New York chefs and restaurants are proud of the food they put on the table. And serving produce that comes from local, environmentally responsible farms is a way to leave an even better taste in everyone's mouth. So when shopping for your ingredients, look for the New York State Grown and Certified Seal. It lets you know which food is grown right, right here in New York State, certifying the food that comes from local farms that meet a higher standard. You'll not only be serving local food, you'll be supporting local farmers. Learn more about the New York State Grown and Certified Program at certified.ny.gov. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, and in the studio today I have my co-host and assistant, Moxie, and I also have Matt Marchese, who has joined us to talk about uh, his life cooking, uh, and now I think Moxie had some questions for Matt about his cat. So, Matt, I'll let you sort of introduce. So, Matt, ha- Matt has a, a cat named Pam who uh, is missing a leg. Uh, and perhaps yes. we can hear that story. But Pam and Matt have also are like, you know, are you fully Internet famous? I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. I know there there are some pictures of you that have appeared there, of you with your cat. <laughs> there are. So this uh, photographer, David Williams, super nice guy, great photographer. He this is I want to say it's like three or four years ago. Um, he did a uh, a project called Men with Cats. And he knew I'm a cat nerd. So. He got my contact, he came over to the apartment, took two, three pictures, and uh, he's like, you know, it'll, maybe someone will do something with it. I didn't think anything of it. And then a year, or sorry, he was, he, sorry, he was going to do a book. Right. But, you know, it was like a year, year and a half later, he's like, it's out on Amazon. And then all these people picked it up, like ABC, Juxtapose, Board Panda. And the, the best was, I, so I host on Airbnb. I had guests coming from the Netherlands, and maybe two days before they came, they're like, hey, we're excited for our stay, you know, where can we get the keys, and were you and Pam on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yep, that's us, that's, that's us. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I expect sort of like the next, uh, the logical next step of that is for you're going to get an Airbnb request if someone can just come over and meet Pam. Hang out with the cat, yeah. yeah. She's, in, yeah, all the reviews, they always mention her, so... Yeah. She's a charmer. Moxie, did you have a question about Pam? Um, why does he have a leg missing? I got really hungry one day. No, that's not true. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, not very good. Uh, So she, I got her when she was two months old, and right before her first birthday, she was hanging out on the window. And then she could walk out. I used to leave the window open. She'd walk out into the fire escape, come back in. Um, but one-year-old kittens are still kind of dumb. Yeah. And she, I live on the third floor. So she mistook her step and she fell. Whoa. Did she land on her feet? She landed. They said the way she landed, uh, I guess, th- three stories is bad for cats. 
like one is okay, two is okay, three is bad, and then you know it goes up from there. Right. Uh, um, so she fell, but she took the brunt of it all on the one leg, huh. and she broke it in nine spots. Wow. So I brought her to the emergency vet, and as soon as I walked in over the intercom, it's like, oh, we have a level level th- or yeah, level three high rise, which means she fell from third floor. Third floors, they okay. see it a lot, and they had to amputate. So now she has three legs. Doesn't seem to bother her much. She's though. very handy capable. She's yeah. she can jump up on everything, um, run. Like most people don't even notice that she has three legs. But she's a trooper. And uh is she like your recipe tester? Like does she taste the food that you She doesn't work on? but she she really likes olives. Huh. Which is strange. That is kind of strange. She really likes olives and she watches me cook all day. I have a uh a quarter hotel pan that I put a piece of parchment in and she'll sleep in there for four hours a day. <laughs> it's really strange. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so I mentioned at the opening of the show that you're also involved in a lot of great, uh, great businesses around here. Yes. Um, so tell me about, tell me about the businesses that you uh, have a hand in. So I'm partner in, and it's kind of becoming like a family of businesses. Yeah. Um, the first was uh, Montana's trail house. Uh, which opened up mm. almost three years ago, mm. and it's pretty close to here, um, uh, with a bunch of fellas. And then last year uh, opened up Twin Sons Deli, which is on Hemrod. And then most recently, just a couple months ago, uh, we opened up a bar called Darlings, and that's right next door to that's Twin Sons, right? Literally, yeah. yeah, we share a wall. Um, yeah, kind of cozy New Englandy bar. Yeah, yeah, cool. And uh, for you, what is your involvement um, in it? Pretty uh, Montana's. I'm pretty silent. You know, yeah. I mean, try to, you know, just yeah. go to the meetings and hear what's up and, you know, give input when needed. But, you know, I don't force it. Uh, same with the deli. And then the bar, I'm a little bit more, I'd say, vocal with... With, uh, with, your, with your New England background? Yeah, you know, and uh, Fence, our operator, uh, or Daniel... Um, he, he's, you know, hands on all the time, but yeah. we all kind of, him, Montana and I kind of, you know, we have meetings and we talk about what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what's working, but it's a good relationship. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it sounds, uh, you know, it, so- it sounds like it's a good, it's a good family. Is it growing? Are there it is. more y- things y- on the horizon? Y- we have a couple new things. One that's going to start pretty soon, but, cool. uh, we'll keep that under wraps for yeah. a bit. Awesome. Um, let's talk a little about mushrooms. So oh, yeah. one of the things that Matt and I have spent a lot of time uh, in our in our years knowing each other talking about is mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've done a lot of mushroom foraging, a lot of cooking with mushrooms. Where did you yes. learn to do that? Um, <clears throat> one restaurant, I worked for the chef, uh, Mark Allen, uh, at a restaurant called Le Soir in Newton Highlands. Uh, uh, it's a neighborhood right out of uh, Boston. Um, we had this guy, Benjamin... And I can't remember his last name. We're friends on Facebook, but Benjamin is one of the strangest people I'll ever meet or have ever met. Uh, he's a mushroom forager through and through, like a total. What do they call it? Mycophilia? Like, yeah, I get yeah. Mycophiliac. Yeah, Mycophiliac, <laughs> just mushroom man, like just crazy. So, anyways, he came in one day. We we used his his service. He would forage, and we'd buy mushrooms from him. I did not like mushrooms. I did not like mushrooms. I was 21 and I was working at this restaurant. He came in and he would give us beautiful maitake, like 
amazing chanterelle. And I started tasting these mushrooms. I'm like, these are amazing. You know, just fried in butter, like just properly seasoned roasted garlic. And now I'm hooked on mushrooms. But from then, I seriously, I'm like, no joke, would have dreams about finding mushrooms. Like, I still do. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, you had a secret spot in Queens. Yes. With some uh, chicken of the woods. Chicken of the right? woods and hen of the woods. I, <clears throat> I think that... That year was such a good year. I think I hauled out close to 90 pounds. Wow. That's amazing. But isn't that, isn't that, and it was the next year that the New York Times totally blew up your spot? Ruined it. Yeah. Completely ruined it. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about, about that. Like, how did it get ruined? I mean, you pulled 90 pounds out of there. So what, what happened? I mean, I know they wrote about it, but. Yeah, they, they, they did an article on, uh, like urban foraging and Prospect Park and, Forest Park in Queens, and it just seriously all the spots that I had, I would go and they'd they'd be decimated. Like, and it's kind of like foragers' etiquette to if you if say you see a nice big oak tree and there's six maitake you know clusters growing, you take two, right, and you leave some for the next person. These people were just like stripping it, yeah. you know, and they're pulling the root out instead of you know, cutting it and yep. leaving it so they don't know what they're doing. It just kind of, yeah, it was a bad article yeah. <laughs> for, for the foraging community. <laughs> um, what's your favorite mushroom? Um, I kind of always go back and forth. Honestly, I think bang for your buck, maitake. I just think the flavor is like, it's just so earthy and so nutty, umami. Yep. It's, I think it's, I used to say uh, matsutake because like they're so expensive and yeah. they're such a cool Japanese uh, delicacy. Yep. But to be honest, that's almost they're just too strong. Yeah, they do. I mean, yeah, that's a really a strong lot, flavor. You know? Yeah, maitake, I could eat a whole bowl. Yeah, like just... absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's there's big maitakes that grow under the oak trees at uh, my dad's house. Right. Um, but they didn't fruit this past year, and so I'm sort of waiting to see if they're going to fruit this year. Right. Um, and I have, you know, there is some some indication that uh, really, really old, really large, uh, you know, large mushrooms. I mean, the mycelium is huge under the ground, right. right? Sometimes only fruit every other year. So I'm curious to see that. if these are on like an every other year cycle um, or if something happened. Right, to them. Right. I mean, who knows? May, maybe they fruited really early and I just didn't notice. I and mean, I didn't look until October. Right. Maybe the weather was such they fruited early. It was also sure. a super dry summer. Yes, it was. Yeah. So that may have definitely affected it. But, you know, I, you know, I think in part, thanks to you, I've become really interested in mushrooms since now cool. I see them everywhere. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, Once I mean, you start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just notice them all over the place. Yeah. I was in Pittsburgh and I saw, you know, I saw an artist conch on a tree in a park and I was, you know, I, I was in Providence over the holidays and my father-in-law has these giant stumps that he uses as like tables in the backyard mm -hmm. and they had little oyster mushrooms growing so out cool. of them. I was yeah. just like, Oh my God, look at all this. Is they crazy. are everywhere. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a uh, spot on hope street next to the zip car garage. And every year, like right after the rain, there's this just, you know, city tree yeah. planter that yeah. has like this crappy, um, like dyed red mulch <laughs> stink horns every Yep. Every year. Yep. Stinkhorns used to come up a lot in the... I used to see them in the dog run. When I took the dog to the dog run, stinkhorns used to come up in the dog yeah, run. Yeah, and time. I think it's the, the chips. Yeah, right? I think it's it is. I think it's... In, yeah, it's got to yeah. be. It's got to be in the chips. It makes a lot of sense. So, uh, you know, you fell in love with mushrooms. Mm -hmm. um, other foods that you hated 
as a kid that then suddenly became like something you love? Olives. Olives. Yep. I um, did not like olives at all. And then when I was working at that place in Maine, or a place in Maine, um, I was making, you know, nothing and just trying to get by. And, you know, we were cleaning up the basement and the chef's like, yeah, just take, like, take all this stuff. So I, (laughs) there was like a case of uh, Castle Vetranos. Yeah. And I was just like kind of starving. Like I was like really a poor cook and I'm like, I'll eat whatever. Right. Even though I don't like it, I know it's food. Exactly. And I'm eating them. I'm like, these are the best things ever. I love Castle Vetranos, like nutty and briny. So before the uh, before the show started, we were chatting here in the studio. Um, Moxie, it looks like she has some something she wants to ask you about. Um, about the mushrooms. I mean, um, were, were the New York Times people following you when you went there? Oh, good question. That is a good question. No, I wonder they, how they found out about it. Um, I honestly don't know how they found out about it. I mean, we are talking about an urban park where yeah. I mean, even though it was a hidden spot. You weren't the only person who right, passed through there, right? And so someone had to have noticed. Right, and it's New York City, so. Yeah. And maybe even that, uh, what's his name? Wild Man. Oh, Steve Brill. Steve Brill, yeah. yeah so maybe that kind of had something to do, yeah. do with it. That's a good question, Moxie. But, I, I mean, it'd be weird, right, if the New York Times was following Matt around. Yeah. <laughs> In the woods? That'd In be woods, really, be like really maybe, weird. <laughs> maybe they had, like, um, like, gecko. Maybe they had a camouflage. Oh, maybe they were camouflaged. Oh, yeah, that'd be extra creepy. Yeah, that'd be that'd be crazy. <laughs> uh, so uh, we were talking about something that uh, you know, for most people, I think is probably the weirdest thing they've ever eaten. I don't know if it is for you, mm-hmm. um, but the other night, uh, I hear that you tried balut. Oh yeah, that is that is not good stuff. Moxie, do you know what balut is? No. Do you want to take a guess? Um, think of something someone might eat, but that might be kind of gross. Some people might think it's gross. Some people love it. I mean, it's not, you know, everyone, I, the I, people eat it, so it can't, you know. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it, but it's. I don't, I don't know what You don't know? Is. All right, Matt, will you, will you tell us uh, and the listeners what balut is? It is um, a Filipino, I wouldn't say dish. It's basically a duck egg that's fertilized. So that means the, the chicken is growing in the egg. So it's like an embryo. It's an embryo. It's so like you're partial, eating, it's not fully. So you're eating the chicken and the egg. Yes. Yes. Mm. At the same go. time, eating the chicken and the egg. So you basically. Ew. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I said. <laughs> the, the smell too is indescribable. Is it fermented? I don't know that much about how it's prepared. I, mean, it's, I know what it it's, is. But it's cooked. Yeah. So you know, they basically the thing is growing, and then they pop it in water or steam it or however right. they do it. Um, that obviously kills the little little bird um and then you crack it open you drink the juice which i did not uh i tasted the juice but i wouldn't say i drank it um and then you peel it peel it away and there's a little baby duck like head beak feathers wings the whole nine um and it was about i'd say what's that three inches four inches um and then there's egg but it's fertilized so there's all these veins running sure. through the egg. Yeah, yeah. It's not a pretty thing. It's not a it's not a good looking thing. Um so it's I, not so it's not cute. <laughs> you used the, to the, the little duck uh, is kinda cute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the little duck is kinda cute, but it's also kinda sad. Yeah. It's like, oh man. You used so. to be able to get 
um, fertilized chicken eggs, not with like not embryo in them, right. but like fertilized. So you just starting like the yolk would almost be like the shape, but it would, didn't have bones and feathers and stuff. Okay. Um, at Sammy's Romanian, and that would like that's an old Eastern European thing, where and I think it was something where when they would um, when there was an old laying hen. And they would slaughter it, or if like a fox would kill it or whatever, mm-hmm. they'd still eat it. So there were eggs that were like, I guess, on un- their way. Un- I mean, they called them unborn eggs, was the way that okay. it was described. But I don't know. I don't exactly. I don't know if they were eggs that hadn't uh, been laid yet, or if they were eggs that had been fertilized. Right, or the timing actually, on that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure the timing on that. But anyway, you used to be able to get it. I haven't seen it on the Sammy's menu in a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's something you can even get in this country anymore. Right. Um, I guess Ariane Degois from. Uh, from uh, D'Artagnan would be the person to ask, uh-huh. uh, being that she's, you know, poultry is her real thing. Right, that makes sense. Um, I did find, I did learn a fun fact about food in America. When she started D'Artagnan, coxcombs weren't available as food. They were all condemned at the slaughterhouse. And so she actually had a French chef who asked her for coxcombs from roosters and chickens. No way. And so she actually had to, like, lobby to get those to be, like, actually saved at the slaughterhouse to be allowed. I had no food. idea. That's awesome. That's really cool. So, have you ever cooked with cocks? I have. I never yeah. have. Yeah. They're... I know what those are. Yeah. <laughs> they're the top of the chicken's head. Yep. And they're honestly, I, I like them. I think they're they're aggressive tasting, but yeah. if you know braise them or confit them, they're they're nice. Um, I know what they are because I was looking at a picture um, on I think my mom or my daddy's phone, and and there were. Was them and I didn't know what they were and that my mommy told them. It was it was in fact a picture on Paul Wetzel's Instagram, uh, who is the sous chef at Gramercy Tavern. Yeah. He was cooking with them. Have you had them, Monty? Um, no. no. Someday maybe. Yeah. So so Balut thumbs so, down. So so we 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 cracked <laughs> one open. Yeah. Uh, There's a few of us at the bar and uh, the, honestly the egg yolk, it tastes like chicken soup, like really. Huh. Intense chicken soup. Uh, the white is. It turns unbelievably hard, hmm. like, 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 uh, like stringy like rubber. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, and then we had a few more drinks, and then we ended up putting the head in a shot of tequila, and I did that, and then my friend put the body in his. And had to eat that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I guess it's similar kind of to Ortolan, right? Which apparently, like, nobody... I mean, Ortolan is not something that you, like, see on menus anymore. Those are the tiny little French birds that, like, you eat them by, if I remember correctly... I forget how they're... I think they're cooked in uh, in brandy. And then you hold the beak. They have, like, a long beak. And you hold the beak and you're supposed to put the... Um, you're supposed to put the napkin over your head so nobody... So you don't see each other eating. It's like this old French Whoa. thing. Brillette Savarin writes about it and, like... And you basically, I believe, you hold the beak, and so you eat the whole thing, including the head except the beak. Oh, boy. That's something I would try. Yeah. Gonna... I mean, I, the I brandy feel like you try anything the... once, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you tried balut once. I tried once. the balut. Yeah. I would try it once, yeah. for sure. And, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, I've heard that there are there are some foods, right, like for super fermented, stinky Taiwanese tofu is supposed right. to be one of those things that, like, you can either, like, eat it or you just, like, smell it and yeah. you cannot. You know, I actually think the the yolk, like if you made it into kind of like a like a deviled egg filling, like yeah. would be an awesome uh, spread on a toast. Yeah. That I could I could do. Put some shallots and maybe yeah. some brandy, but right. yeah. Um, but but Daddy, what you were talking about? Um, would you keep the beak? 
Would I keep it? Like wear it? Like wear it as a necklace? Make a necklace out of them? Yeah. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I kept my wisdom teeth in a box. I wanted to keep my tonsils. The doctor wouldn't let me. Whoa. I was like, they're mine. Can I have them? And they were like, no, they're medical waste. And I was like, but they're mine. But they're my medical. They're waste. my medical waste. Keep them back. So you know, I mean, I you know, that's sort of how it, how it goes. I mean, you know, if, if you go back, uh, I can't, I don't have it in front of me which episode it was, but uh, I have done an interview on here about eating placenta right, after right, birth. Right. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that people eat and, uh, you know, I mean, people Jeez. drink Soylent. I mean, you know, right. it's a, all kinds of weird stuff they out there. eat their own. Yeah. I mean, we eat blue cheese and yeah. it's a weird thing. Totally. Um, so, one other one other sort of food thing, I know at your birthday party a few years ago, you had live eels in your, in your bobbing <laughs> for apple tank. <laughs> yeah. Did anybody, I mean, was there like a prize if you bobbed for an eel and got one? We, well, here, here's the thing. We actually had a waiver that you had to sign because... <laughs> Eels bite, and oh wow, yeah. If they're aggr- you know, if they feel like they're sure. in danger, bite you which on the nose they while are. Yeah, if, you know, and we had goggles, and um, did anybody get bit? N- nobody got bit, right. but uh, they were yeah, they were moving around. And then what did you? I mean, what did you do with the eels afterwards? <laughs> I mean, we couldn't just throw them away, of so course. we, you know, corn starched it up, yeah. deep fried it, nice. a little dipping sauce. They awesome. were tasty. Sounds good. Yeah, that was like dessert from the party. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think we're about out of time. Moxie, do you have any other questions for Matt since we have him here in the studio? Well, I was thinking that maybe I was... It's kind of funny for, like, bobbing for eels because it's kind of dangerous. Yeah, it is. It is. It is, it is kind dangerous. Of Would you like to have that at your birthday party? No. What about bobbing for apples? Yes, I want bobbing for apples with no real animals. Okay. <laughs> Can we put, like, fake animals fake in the water? Eels. Yeah, right. fake... Sm- Fake snakes? Fake snakes, like <laughs> rubber snakes. All right, that sounds awesome. We'll have bobbing for apples and snakes at your at your birthday. In I'll July. be there. All right, awesome. <laughs> um, well, Matt, thanks for coming on. Is there anything else that you uh, anything you have coming up that you want to want to mention? So you just did your winter dinner, so people should look for that next year. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to? Um, I also do. Re- oh, I forgot to mention I do recipes. Um, there's this uh, Japanese kind of healthy lifestyle website um called kd kitchen um and the owner uh mari uh, we met years ago and i just started doing the recipes for them i do three three a month and um it's it's cool because the company's based in new york but all the clients are in japan and and all the videos are online so you can actually see matt's recipes yes that's with japanese Overlay, yeah. So it's actually kind of cool. It's it's very cool. When I grow up, I want to be a French chef like chef like Julia Child, and I'm gonna have a TV show called The Fre- French Chef Volume Two. It's not gonna be Julia Child, but it's gonna be me. <laughs> I love that idea. That's <laughs> awesome. So people can find that at kdkitchen.com. Yeah, kdkitchen.com. Cool. Or if uh, you go on YouTube, KD Kitchen, and all the videos will pop up. Awesome. Um, yeah, definitely uh, recommend people people check that out. Thanks. Um, well, thanks, Matt. It's been a, yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening to Feast Your Ears today. Thank you, Moxie, for being, you, my, Moxie. being my co-host. Um, a big thank you to Kristen Baylor, who's my producer here, and David Tadashore, who engineers this show every week. Um, you can find Feast Your Ears, as well as lots of other great shows, at heritageradionetwork.org and on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, and coming up, I will be live... Uh, on Saturday, the 21st, um, and we will be at the Good Food 
Mercantile, uh, which is the follow-up to the Good Food Awards, which is taking place in San Francisco. So if you're listening to this live on Wednesday when it airs, please tune in again on Saturday from 12 to 5 Pacific time. Um, and I'll be doing some great interviews there. Michael Harlan Turkel will be doing some interviews. David, uh, our engineer, and Katie, our executive director here at Heritage, will be doing some interviews. So that's going to be a really, really good time. You should definitely tune in for that. Uh, you can follow Matt on Instagram at Matt Marchese. Uh, and you can follow me on social media at the Foodballer. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.